you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We'll be continuing on there. Uh, last week we talked about uh, let brotherly love continued. Spent quite a bit of time on that very first verse. We're going to read the same verses this time, but just go into some of the other verses a little bit deeper. And uh, so I hope it's beneficial for you. Um, if I'm preaching and it's not beneficial for you, then something's wrong. <laughs> so hopefully you'll be able to take something from each and every session that we're together and, and be able to apply something. And these verses that we're getting ready to uh, read are very much application-oriented. And so what the writer of the, the book of Hebrews has done is set a very sure foundation that Jesus Christ is better than anything that they could go, hope to go back for. Uh, and now he wants to give them practical things to do in order to make that true in their life and to establish them further in the Christian life so that they do not go back. So we've talked about this many, many times before, how Jesus is better and how the writer of the book of Hebrews is telling the Hebrews, do not even think about trying to go back to the Old Testament way of doing things with the sacrificial system because Jesus has come and he is our sacrifice, our one-time sacrifice that is sufficient for all time. And he's taught them that really true faith perseveres and he's done that in such a way that he's used examples of people like Moses and Abraham and Rahab and on and on in that chapter 11, uh, just the chapter of faith. He's taught them by demonstration that true faith is one that perseveres through our life. And we believe that too, amen? I hope we believe that. Uh, we understand that people at various times who are truly Christians may fall away from the faith for a short period of time. They may go back into sin, but the Holy Spirit ultimately will always bring them back. I believe that's true to scripture. And so we're gonna go ahead and read these scriptures again. And so I would ask you to stand up for the reading of Hebrews chapter 13, 1 through 6 is what we're going to read, and uh, we'll go a little bit deeper into how we are to work this out in our own lives. So let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are all in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to have these words before us today. We know that over the last thousand years, there have been many uh, of those who have come up against the word of God and tried to destroy it in various ways. They can't destroy it because it's out there too much, but then what they try to do is to twist it to mean something that it really does not mean. And so we are glad that we have your word here today, that we have the ability to use our reasoning and the powers of the Holy Spirit to determine its meaning 
and how we are to apply it and live it out in our everyday life. And so we pray for understanding today, that we would have understanding of the scripture, what it means, but also that we would have wisdom as to how best implement these things in our world. And we pray that you would give us ideas how we can apply it this very day and this very week in our lives. And so we ask for your guidance and help and we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. amen. So this message I've entitled uh, Remember That We Are To Love Everyone or To Love All Last week, last week, we spent much of our time talking about how brotherly love must continue, and that's the love, the brotherly, sisterly love that we have within the church, but our love for people does, is not, it includes more than just the church, right? We are to love others as well. And so there are different types of love and different aspects of love. There's a love that we have for one another in the body of the Christ. There's a love that we have uh, as a husband has for his wife, that is a different love. Uh, there's a, a love that we have for unbelievers. Uh, but last week we talked about how brotherly love should continue. And just a brief reminder of that is that this love binds us together as a family. And this is a real family. It's, it's not an allegorical family or a symbolic family. This is a really a true family. It's not one built uh, it's not one that is comes from a physical uh, birthing of babies, but it's one that comes from spiritual birth. And so Paul is able to call Timothy his son in the faith. And we've been reading the book of Onesimus in, uh, or Philemon in my uh, class at school. And Paul referred to Onesimus as his son in the faith. And so this really truly is a faith family and we need to spend time together, right? <laughs> All families need to spend time together. And we do that on Sunday morning. We do it at events like we did last night where we have fun and play games. And, and so it's important that we spend time together, spend time in the Word, spend time discussing the Word in Sunday school. And I appreciate the way Jake did Sunday school this morning. He threw in some questions and some scriptures uh, that got us talking about what is going on in our life. And that's really valuable time that we need, right? We need that time to kind of hash things out with other believers. And as we do this, it forms really a truly an unbreakable bond between us. Now, one of these days, somebody from here is going to leave and go somewhere else. And it may be because of a job or something like that, but we're still going to have an unbreakable bond with that, with that person. Uh, we hold each other deeply in our hearts because of the time we spend together and the common bond that we have in Christ. And we desire as a body to nourish and to nurture each other. We, we are, cannot be content to see us remain in an immature state. Uh, we have concern for each other and, and we look out for each other and we have a common joint purpose and that's to fulfill the Great Commission. And so last time we spent all this time on letting brotherly love continue, but now we've got to move on. We move on to verse number two, and it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers and thereby some have entertained angels unaware. 
So this is a command to us, right? I think sometimes we forget that these are commands to us. They're commands, obviously, to the ones who received this letter, but they're commands to us as well. And so this command to show hospitality relates to us as well and applies to us as well. And so hospitality, you may recognize in this verse, hospitality is one of the gifts of the Spirit, right? Hospitality is a gift of the Spirit. And so some people might take this and say, well, only those who have the gift of hospitality show hospitality to strangers. But that's not really true, right? If you look at the gifts the way I look at the gifts, I see the person who has the gift of hospitality as the light who is showing the rest of us the way to be hospitable. You see the difference between that? Some would say, well, the gift of hospitality, only a few people have that, and they're the only ones within the church who are required to be hospitable. But that's not true, right? We are all called to be like Jesus Christ, and the gifts are meant for all of us to become like Jesus Christ. And so no one would say, well, I don't have to be merciful because I don't have the gift of mercy, right? But I look toward the one, like my wife Darla has the gift of mercy, I look toward her to see how I am to be merciful to others. So I think it goes the same way with this gift of hospitality, that yes, there are some who have the gift of hospitality, and we look toward them to see how we can better be hospitable to people, even to strangers. And it's a difficult thing for us to do, right? To be hospitable. By the way, the definition of hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. So this is what we're called to do, to be hospitable to those whom we don't even know. And this goes right along with what Jesus said. Jesus was even more extreme. He said, love your neighbor, but love those who hate you as well. I love your enemies. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews is not going too far extreme here in telling us that we are to love strangers. That word stranger, by the way, probably referred to anyone who was outside of the Jewish faith at that time. So it could have been a Gentile. It could have been uh, someone from another land. In our culture, it actually can mean not only foreigner, but immigrant. So that kind of hits home, right? <laughs> that kind of hits home. It kind of tells us, while we may differ on why immigrants are coming into our country, that if we come across immigrants, we should be hospitable to them. So uh, we have become, on the other hand, increasingly, I think, isolated rather than hospitable. And some of this has been because of COVID. Some of it's become... I think because we have our homes, our, our entertainment centers sometimes, and we love to keep that for ourselves. Uh, but nowhere in the Bible does it say it's okay not to be hospitable because of COVID. Nowhere does it say that. There's no, there's no exceptions to us loving people. There's no exceptions for us going to the furthest parts of our world because of a pandemic or COVID. And I could give you list after list of missionaries who have gone to foreign countries knowing that they would probably die of some disease. And many have in the New Hebrides and other places of the world. 
We cannot let COVID stop us from doing what is so clearly portrayed in the gospel, in the, in the word of God, and we must and we should show hospitality to strangers. And so we have to fight against this isolationism. And by that, and I'm not including everyone in this, but we tend to kind of hole up in our homes and stay there and not reach out to other people. But we should do that. We should be hospitable. It's a commandment that we're given to do. So I'm, I thought, well, how, how are some, what are some ideas of how we can be hospitable? Well, one way is, is a, to provide a meal for someone, right? When's the last time you had your neighbor over for a meal? It's been a long time for us. You know, I put myself in the same position that we tend to become isolated and stay in our homes and not invite people over. But it's the very description of what it is to be hospitable is to have someone in your home. So a meal or a, like a barbecue is a great way to show hospitality and get to know people. Now, I'm not saying that we just flow all caution to the wind and, and not take safe precautions during a time of a pandemic, but I think there's ways that we can do that. My daughter, Crystal, a couple, uh, couple weeks ago instituted what she called a Sabbath meal. And so she's been inviting us and some of our other family members over on a Saturday evening just to prepare for the Lord's Day and to spend some time thinking about the next day. That would be a good way for you to do that as well. One thing I have long uh, wanted at Freedom Baptist Church, and we've had some of these, but a home Bible study. You hosting a Bible study in your home. You could do that easily by inviting four or five other couples to a meal in your home and then having a short Bible study or get engaged in conversation or play games. There's a lot of ways that we can be hospitable, hospitable to other people. Amen, right? We can do, we can do that. Uh, normally it's gonna be with someone that are strangers or maybe just acquaintances. You know, it's not necessarily, I don't think this scripture is necessarily saying invite someone totally that you do not know into your home <laughs> because that might not even be safe. But I think with acquaintances, uh, with people that you want to meet and get to know better, maybe that you know at work, but you really don't know them outside of the workforce, this is what we are commanded to do. We're commanded to make room for people in our home and it should become a priority in our lives. The good thing about this too is that it seems as though God will bless this. It says in the scripture that we read today that some people who have shown hospitality in this way have entertained angels unawares. So I'm not saying that every time you host a meal that there's gonna be angels there, but haven't we already learned from experience when we have done this that we are blessed by the people who come? in the conversations that we have. Now, I haven't talked to Leroy or Brenda anything about this, but were you blessed by having the soup supper? Yeah, she's shaking her head yes. Leroy's shaking his head yes. So. And, and they told me last night when I thanked them for having it, how much they enjoy doing this. And so uh, I think there is a promise here, not necessarily that there would always be angels at these events, 
but that we will be blessed by God for having this. And so I, I just simply ask the question, no one has to raise their hand or no one has to shout out loud, but how will you follow God's command to show hospitality to strangers? You know, you might want to think about that today. You don't have to give an answer right now, but how will you follow God's command to show hospitality to strangers? And it might, be, it might seem as though I believe no one's ever showing hospitality, and I, I know that's not true. But I think we could do a, good, a, a better job. I know I could do a better job at showing hospitality to others. And it's a way for us to get to know Christ. And in a way, it's a way for us to uh, come to deserve the right to be able to share the gospel with them in such a way that they will actually listen. Moving along, we're also to love those who are persecuted by remembering them and empathizing with them. These are probably those Christians who are being imprisoned or mistreated. I don't think this is necessarily talking to the public at large, although we definitely also want to be kind to those who are in prison and who are being mistreated. But notice at the end of this verse, it says, that we also are in the body of Christ. So I think he's talking about people within the body of Christ, people within the church who have probably been thrown into prison for their beliefs, or maybe they've gone into debt and they can't pay their debt, and they've been thrown into prison. They're being mistreated outside of the prison even for their faith. And we are to remember them and to empathize with them. In other words, we're to kind of put ourselves in their place and ask the question, how, what kind of help would I want if I were in prison? What kind of visitation would I want if I were in prison? It, it pretty much was uh, the way things were done back then that if you were in debt, you had to stay in debtor's prison until you could pay yourself out, right? <laughs> well, if you're in prison, you can't make an income, so you depended on people to come, your family members and friends to come in to pay your debt so that you could get out. Some places even relied on visitors to provide food while they were in prison. And so these people were in desperate means and all this writer is asking is that since you have been freed in Christ of your sins and you've been forgiven of your sins, watch out for your fellow believers who may be put into prison and are suffering because of that. In other words, don't forget them, but to continue to support them. First Peter chapter four, I'm gonna read several verses here, talks about suffering and, and imprisonment a little bit, I think. But listen to what it has to say about this. I thought this was appropriate, and I hope it's applicable to what we've just read. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, Christians come under trials. We should not be surprised by it. It's not something strange that's happening to us. This is because of the will of God. Verse 13, it says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. In other words, if you share in the sufferings of Christ, then you're also going to share in the glory when he is revealed. 
If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and the God and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. In other words, he's saying if you're thrown into prison because you deserve it, <laughs> you've done something, then don't expect that you're going to get special treatment because of that. But in verse 16, it says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, in other words, they come under persecution or go to prison because they're a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Just some amazing verses about how Christians are called to suffer for the sake of Christ and that we should not be ashamed of this suffering. However, if we do something wrong and we're thrown into prison, that is something to be shameful about. But this last statement is about those who suffer according to God's will. That might be these people uh, in the book of Hebrews. They've been cast into prison because they've held firm to the testimony of Christ and they've been mistreated because of it. If they do that according to God's will, they are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator while still going about doing good. Just, just amazing. So we are to love those who are persecuted by remembering them and empathizing with them. Nextly, we see that to honor God and love your honor God and love your spouse by being faithful to them. This is what verse four says. It says, "Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous." And so first we are to honor marriage. And in our culture today, unfortunately, the definition of marriage has changed, hasn't it? But it, it never has really changed. <laughs> it's still between a man and a woman. Amen? Amen? It's still between a man and a woman, and it's for life. Genesis 2, 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and, that shall, and they shall become one flesh, regardless of what rules or regulations or laws are passed, we cannot compromise on this, that marriage is between a man and a woman and it's for life. It's a covenant with God for life. And those who are being married should be faithful for life. We should be aware that God will judge the sexually immoral and adulteresses and we have to stop here and, and of course say that uh, there's forgiveness for all who come to Jesus Christ, right? right? We've, we have probably all, in some ways or another, fallen short of God's commandment here to honor and to be faithful to our husbands or our wives because it's not only our deeds, but it's also our thoughts. And so if we're honest with ourselves, we have probably failed in this area but the Lord Jesus Christ says come repent of your sin turn away from it 
and you will receive forgiveness. Amen? Amen? What a mighty God we serve. <laughs> and then finally, love the Lord your God by making him first priority in your life. Make him the first priority in your life. In verse 5, it says, Keep your life free from money, from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Keep your life free from the love of money. It's a difficult thing, right? It is a really difficult thing. Our whole uh, country is kind of geared toward us doing better and better and better in improving and more income and more income and more income. And that's not necessarily wrong, right? Because it's not money that is the problem, but it's the love of money that is the problem to where I have to have more. And I'm always kind of amazed. I read stories quite a bit in the technology field and I, you know, uh, the, one, the CEOs of Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and, and Google and Facebook and they have billions of dollars. And yet they're still struggling to get more and more and more. And I don't understand that. Uh, I don't quite understand that. And if they lose $5 billion in a day because of the stock drops, they, they're all sad-faced and everything. And they've got $55 million more, billion more in the bank or somewhere. So I, I don't necessarily understand that. But it's not just the CEOs that this applies to, right? It, it can apply to us as well, to where our job is all important rather than maybe our family or our church. And all these verses, verses are saying, I believe, is be content with what the Lord has given you. Amen. Be content with what the Lord has given you. Amen. Doesn't mean you have to stay in poverty. Doesn't mean you can't better yourself. But do it in godly ways and always put the Lord first because he will never leave you nor forsake you. Your money's gonna leave you sooner or later, right? <laughs> Either in this life, you're gonna lose it, you're gonna spend it all. Uh, people, I knew a person who won the lottery, Illinois lottery, won $8 million, and within a few years it was all gone because he gambled it away, he spent it away. Money has a way of doing that, especially if you love it. It has a way of slipping through your hands and you don't have that anymore, but Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He will help us and he will be our contentment and he will provide our security. What can man do to me? Man can do nothing to us. That is not the will of God and for our good. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. We step out of this church and we step out into a culture that's so much different than us, especially if you move to the left or the right coast of the nation, it's, it's so much different than us and we have a tendency to fear that. But according to this, we should not fear that because the Lord is with us, he's our helper. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He ultimately is our security. And so church, I say, go and do the Lord's work. Don't fear man, don't fear disease. Be cautious, yes. Be prudent about 
who you're dealing with and how, what kind of safety equipment you need to wear. But we need to let brotherly love continue. We need to love by showing hospitality to strangers. We need to love those who are in prison and are mistreated. We need to love our spouse and be faithful. We need to love God above everything else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for these words that you've given us uh, to view today and to consider. And one thing we can say is that you are awesome, that you know us better than we know ourselves, that you know exactly what we need. We need to feel and experience your love, and we need to pass that love on to others who are around us. So we pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that if there's a person here who doesn't know Christ, that they would understand that Christ has paid the penalty for their sin, that he did that on the cross, but that he rose on the third day, and he lives now to intercede on our behalf. If we will but choose to follow him and choose to let him apply his death on the cross to our account that we might be forgiven. And so I pray that they today would come to know Christ. For us who are Christians, help us to be obedient to this word, to be hospitable to those around us, to remember uh, those who are in prison, especially those who are being mistreated, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ who this very day may become martyrs for Jesus Christ. Help us to be all of these things in your power and in your strength. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.